You were listening to episode 112 of the Game Inflators podcast. My name's John, and I'm joined by Ryan. Hey, everybody. Here at the Game Inflators podcast, we like to talk about games. We've recently picked up games we're currently playing, and this week we get scurred for this week's Inflation Deflation Challenge. So for once, I actually came up with the intro this week, and I gotta say, man, I'm pretty proud of myself on that one. I mean, John, you're batting one for 112. One for 112. Yeah, okay, I've got a few more than just one. (laughs) Uh, So we played uh, Made of Scare uh, this week, but it sounded better as... uh, Skrr. Skrr, so we went ahead and said Skrr. If you're scurred, go to church. (laughs) Yeah, after this game, I'm not sure. So uh, we went ahead and played that for Inflation Deflation this week. Uh, This week, we'll also be going over... Our top five inflation deflations of 2020, uh, as we like to do. So we'll, uh, we'll have some fun with that. We'll also be talking about our games that we're going to be playing for our new games resolution. I assume you chose one. Double down. Double down. All right. And uh, we got a few Speaking articles. Speaking of double down, KFC. Uh, yeah. So <laughs> that's one of our articles this week. So we'll actually be discussing uh, KFC's video game console that was released recently. Or not released, but uh, announced. And we'll be looking at an article about an investor suing um, a game studio known as, uh, you know, CD Projekt Red. And our last one, it's about the video game industry. So uh, we're expecting a boom in terms of overall numbers financially for video games in 2021. And uh, we'll talk a little bit about that. So, Ryan... Let's get it started on pickups. You you actually got a pickup. I have stuff. I participated in the thing that I'm supposed to do once a week. And so what did you pick up? I bought Hades because it was on sale and I've been dying. So, okay, everybody. I Anybody that's been listening to the podcast for a while knows what happened to me with Cave Blazers. In, uh, was that? At the beginning of 2020, or was that 2019? I feel like that was a 2019. Thing. I want to say that was... Didn't we start recording in 2018? I think that Cave Blazers was a 2019 phenomenon, because I don't remember playing it since the previous Thanksgiving, which okay. was in 2019. I so, just know you played it a lot. Yeah, so I got I tend to get sucked into roguelites once uh once they come out and i really you know sink my teeth into them i love them so i've been avoiding hades like the plague since the beginning of the year just because uh doing so would give me a greater chance of actually being able to finish persona 4 but that's out the window that's old news i'm not going to beat persona 4 by the end of the year never going to happen so uh I finally bought it, and I love it, and I can't wait to play more and more and more of it. So that's what I've been doing lately. I completely lied to everybody last week when I swore up and down that I would play more Persona 4 by the time this week's episode came out. Yeah, that didn't happen. So doubling down for next year's New Games Resolution, and I will eventually play all the way through Persona 4 before the end of 2021, plus another game. More on that soon. Hades is on sale, 20% off on Switch. They had uh, the Nintendo eShop was down last night, so I actually had to wait to buy it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and didn't actually play any of it till today. I was like, God damn, I got to play something before today's podcast starts. Do you like it from what you played so far? Oh, yeah. I, uh, I got past like the first like boss. 
I don't know how many bosses there are, but I beat Meg on like my third try. It's super fun. Love the art style. Love the going home. Love uh, all. I can already tell there's going to be like a whole bunch of different build diversity and stuff, and all the unlocks are going to be really fun and cool. I'm, uh, you know, I I really hesitate to want to say that. I'm going to play my first two new games resolutions as soon as possible. So what I'm going to do is it is currently December 26th. So I'm going to play so much Hades over the next four days that by the time next year starts, hopefully I'll be ready to start playing my actual new games resolutions and get them out of the way. Or you're going to finish Persona. And then get on to your new games resolution. Well, Persona is part of my new games resolution double down. But you got to play that first. Before my other one? Yes. I have to be Persona you before have I can to play be my new for- new games resolution. And remember, you have one hour of Blue's Clues. I was actually one. thinking about just taking Blue's Clues with me. No, no, I have to see the torment. What if I film it? Huh? Actually, I don't have a way to record a PS1 game. No, it's you PS1, don't. right? And it's going to be more enjoyable in person to see you playing Blue's Clues. Okay. Yeah. I'll just bring my handy dandy notebook and be ready to go for next time. Is it on the PlayStation Classic? Because I could always just take that over to Ben's house. Right. A new on a New Year's, and we could just watch you, watch you play it. Close out the New Year with horror. Well, I've got my mini PS1 with the screen. I could just bring that and play it portably. I think we got a plan going here. Let me find Blue's Clues. But uh, yeah, so Ryan will be playing some Blue's Clues as punishment for not finishing up his new game's resolution. So now you know there's consequences of not finishing through of stuff. I feel so bad, guys. Honestly, like the whole point of new game's resolution is what's a game that you've always wanted to play that's been sitting there and you've never gotten around to it and giving that game the time and attention that you've always thought it deserved. And I failed. I failed miserably. I really like that game and I really want to put time into it. And I just got distracted by all the shiny things. And also, let's be honest, it was a real shit year. So, you know, whatever. I mean, I finished mine. (laughs) Yeah, but you also thought about playing more of those games and realized how bad that one was. And you were like, I'm not going in for more. Well, remember I had my, my initial stipulation was... All right, I'll go into Shenmue. I want to play all three. Yeah, but, let me but see Shenmue the first turned one out to be the 2020 of games for you, and you were like, I'm going to take a left-hand turn here and not proceed down this road. Yeah, let's go play other games <laughs> that are a lot better. You know, Shenmue, when I look back at it, wasn't, like, horrible, but it wasn't exactly, like... It's dated. You might as well yeah. play Yakuza. Well, I played it on the PS4, so it's not like I, you know... I played a dated game on the PS4, but it was not like I played on a Dreamcast. No, but I mean, you might as well play Yakuza instead of playing Shenmue these days. Because it's like similar in like setting and style and combat, but Yakuza is just way better. Well, don't worry. I've got a great new games resolution for this year that we'll, I saw uh, that. we'll discuss. Uh, so yeah, so my pickup this week, I got uh, Made of Scare for Christmas. So I picked that one up. And that's the only pickup I had outside of um, a PlayStation 2 and a bunch of games. And I'll, I'll talk to you about that one separate. But uh, there's I see Shrek. Yeah, there's Shrek in there. There's Ooh, Moto- Midnight Club. Yeah, yeah. Mercenaries? I like the Mercenaries game. There's some stuff in there. It's nothing to write home about. But yeah, I got some games in there. Uh, and then this week, I've been playing Dragon's Crown with my wife. So we're like... What are you guys each playing? 
Oh, uh, so I am playing a wizard, and she is playing a standard fighter. Okay. Yeah. And then we have in our party um, another wizard and a barbarian, I think. I think I tried playing the thief when I played that game. Yeah, so I'm enjoying it. God, man, the wizard's kind of hard because you got to, like, recharge your mana every damn time uh, after you use it. But it's so far, it's fun. So we're, we've probably played about five or six hours, so we're probably about a third of the way through the game. But we're liking the story. The gameplay's fun. A lot of dungeon crawling uh, so far. Very easy from what we've played at this point. And, you know, the story, it's kind of engaging so far from what we've, um, you know, experienced. So it's one that, you know, it's funny is that she actually played it several years ago and got to level 16 with her character. And so we booted it up, and I've had the same PlayStation Slim for years now. And she's like, I never played this game. I'm like, you 100% played this game. No, I didn't. I'm like, then why is there data on the console for this particular game? And I've never played it. And this console's only been in my possession over the last, I don't know, like... 10 years so well it would be on the memory card anyways well and the memory of the game system yeah so it's on there it showed that 16 16 or level 16 like multiple hours in there i'm like you played this game oh i so, thought you said ps2 for some reason no, no no ps3 ps3 so playing that there is a ps4 version i think it's like dragon's crown pro or something so yeah uh there's that but so far like i said we're enjoying it we're D fans as everybody knows from our prior episodes and uh, it, it's got kind of that storytelling component that you would experience with D&D. Like, you walk in, and so-and-so sees you, and this is your reaction. And then it has, like, the lines that they would say, and we need you to go to X location and retrieve this and come back. And so it, it's pretty cool. And graphics are pretty interesting as well. Lots of boobies. Lots of boobies. Lots of boobies. Uh, and then the other game I've got, of course, is Jade Cocoon. I haven't touched this one for a bit, uh, mainly because... I just haven't had a chance over the last several weeks, as you know. You've just become too jaded. God, his dad jokes, I swear. If you were around Ryan... I got a book of dad jokes in my stocking. Did you seriously? Oh, my wife's going to regret giving me those. She didn't need to give you that. You're like... <laughs> the book was probably written by you. Right? Yeah, so... Self-published. Yeah, we get this on a, on a consistent basis from Ryan everywhere we go. There's at least one dad joke, and if he doesn't tell it, we're disappointed. So... Yeah, uh, but either way, uh, Jade Cocoon, that it's still on my list. I just, like I said, been busy, haven't had a chance to play it. And then, uh, of course, the wife wants to play Dragon's Crown. So it's like, if I'm not playing Dragon's Crown, that's really all I've been playing uh, the last few days. And that's it for this week. Uh, did you have trivia from our master list of trivia? I didn't. I figured that we had enough stuff to go over this week. All right. And that's my excuse. <laughs> we'll hold trivia next time. And by next time, we'll do it at some point. But it'll happen. Hey, if you guys have any suggestions for trivia, why don't you hit us up on those social medias, such as at Game Deflators on Twitter, at The Game Deflators on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, you can leave us a comment with your favorite dad joke and or video game trivia on anywhere that you can leave reviews on podcasts like Apple Podcasts, Podbean, uh spotify. spotify uh recently i learned that we're on audible yeah because that's a thing amazon music i think is technically what we're on so cool beans on that uh and then also i'm gonna call out the guy on twitter that messaged us um or tweeted us uh while we did not mention Mega Man nt or network transmission on our episode last week because you know we did Mega Man x we did do an episode because i was going back for uh yeah. you know 2020 we did play the gamecube version so if you're listening 
go check that one out. I don't remember which episode. <laughs> I didn't write it down, but there's a Mega Man uh, episode out there. Wait, from somebody messaged us? Well, they tweeted us. Tweeted yeah. us? Yeah, they put like the face palm. Like, you guys didn't mention network transmission. I'm like, well, for one thing, we're not huge aficionados of Mega Man. Uh, and yeah, like we played Mega Man X. So like I said last week, man, I can't even tell you like the name of characters from that series. It's not Rock like... Man, Roll, Guts Man. Okay, so Ryan knows more Make, than I do. Pick pick like a, a a noun that's maybe an element or something related and then throw man at the end of it. You've got every character. I got trivia for you. Uh, who was Capcom's initial mascot? I learned this one recently. And it's pretty cool because I ended up getting the... I know yeah. it's not Bomberman because that's like Hudson Soft or something. It's an obvious one, Ryan. Ryu? No, no, it's not. Uh, it's not so obvious. So Captain Commando actually was supposed to be like the initial... I think Who? he is Captain Commando. I think he still is He's technically. Naked. No, he is. Oh, He's going Commando. Okay. <laughs> I have the Super Nintendo game here something... I, yeah, let me let me find a picture here for you. But it is. Uh, I don't want to see that, John. This you, is this is a family friendly show, despite all the cussing. Sometimes there, is, this is not family friendly. In fact, we have it as uh, uh what do you call it? NC seventeen. Yeah, like it's it's noted on there. This is Captain Commando. Notice he is not Commando. I can't see under his pants. He could be going Commando. <laughs> You're right. He could be. <laughs> okay, so that is the story. Why else would they call him that? <laughs> those aren't even fatigues <laughs> all right so uh that was our trivia that we ended up getting so top five inflation deflation of 2020 dude, this was such a good year it, i was dude. going through i had like a long list of like almost 10 games that i had to trim down because obviously you gotta separate you know the wheat from the chaff i'm actually happy i changed some of mine because like looking at your list we had three that were the same on my initial list and then what i pared down to yeah, I had a, a few that you had on there on my list, too, and then I removed them. And I wasn't even really paying attention to your list, either. I was just kind of going through mine and then picking. But, I mean, I think between the two of us, we got most of the same good stuff, except for the two games that are on here that I didn't play because I wasn't there those weeks. Apparently, I missed out. Which ones were those? Uh, the ones you played with the Game Tenants and the ones you played with the Next to Nothing podcast. I assume those were the weeks I wasn't here. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you weren't there for Next to Nothing podcast and Game Tenants. No, you were on that episode, weren't you? Uh-uh. I did one with Jason. Yeah, but I've never I've never played any of the Dooms. Really? Okay, so then, yeah, that's funny. Those are two that I enjoyed and you weren't on those. John likes it better when I'm not around. Yeah, I guess so. I'll go through my list first, though. Uh, so, uh, number one on my list was Wolfchild, and this isn't any particular order, but, uh, dude, I had a lot of fun with that game. You went back and finished that game. Yeah, like, the next day I went back and finished it. Like, I enjoyed it. It was actually a pretty good game. Uh, so Wolfchild's fun. Uh, Katamari Damacy. I had that on my list, too. That's just fun. Good fun. Classic, classic game, and we definitely enjoyed it. I went back and played a little bit of that as well. And, of course, uh, yeah, it, it's a it's a good game. Yeah, we definitely enjoyed that one. Uh, my next one I had, which was really just a massacre playing with you, was... Oh, yeah, slaughtered. Super Mario Strikers. Absolutely slaughtered. Yeah, I think I beat Ryan in the first match of that, like, 
seven zero some unknown soccer numbers like i don't even think real soccer has scores that go up that high yeah it was pretty insane so ryan had a good time he got to see me score a lot of goals and i've always wanted to play that game i just was ill prepared for the whooping yeah 100 percent. you know we got to we did mario tennis i beat ryan in that too and uh we got to play some mario baseball and that one i am much better at than soccer so be prepared so maybe we'll throw be in some of that prepared. I'm trying to figure out the next line of that song, and I can't. Uh, so, yeah, Super Mario uh, Strikers. And by the way, Wolfchild, I think we put as uh, just right on price. I want to say Katamari was... Oh, I didn't look up any of that I stuff. didn't either, I'm <laughs> guessing here. I think Katamari was just right. We really should keep track of this. Super Mario Strikers, I want to say, is just right. Journey, I think, was deflated because it was worth the price point. And Doom, we had as inflated because we were scoring on the Super Nintendo. And given... Well, yeah, so Journey of Silius is my next game, and then Doom. And uh, Doom, we had scored low primarily because you could play it anywhere. Like, you could play it on uh, a birth control yeah. thing. Like, it's it's crazy, like, what it can be played on because it's Will everywhere. it run Doom? That's yeah, the question. Yeah, will it run Doom? That's pretty much what it came down to for that. And Journey of Silius we played, or Silas, I, I don't remember how it's pronounced, but that one we played with the game Tenets. So that was uh, Church as well as Jason of Corpse Law Gaming. Uh, that was a fun game. I definitely enjoyed that one. And then Doom, we played with the Next to Nothing podcast, and we took an approach on that episode. I could have sworn you were on it, but I guess not. I played it on the Super Nintendo. Uh, we had, um, I think it was Mr. Green played it on the cell phone, I want to say, or PC. And then Danike played it on either the PC or phone. So we had like three different modalities of playing that game, and we each gave our own separate impressions of it and what the value of that was worth. So I think on PC, it must have been Mr. Green because he played, he got it for free fitty. So yeah, we, we know it must have been him on that. And then phone, yeah, that's right. Cause I think Danica paid like a couple bucks to play it on the phone. So yeah, those, that was my top five. And a lot of that was I either enjoyed the game or I enjoyed the experience and who we were talking with during the year uh, to really make that episode happen. So Shout out for 2020 to the Game Tenants Next to Nothing podcast. And then, uh, of course, I know you've got one here from another podcast on your end. So, your turn, Ryan. What were your top inflation, deflation games of 2020? Okay, so uh, the first one I have here is one of the only games... Well, actually, some of the games here I played like a lot more than what we played on for just the show. We kind of did things a little bit different, but uh, Ridge Racer Type 4. I'm not usually a racing game person, but um, when I was getting into the hacking of the PlayStation earlier this year, um, that's when we kind of played Ridge Racer, which is actually on there. You didn't have to hack it to get that one. But I had a lot of fun with that game. I went back. I played some more of it. I thought it was really cool, uh, especially, like I said, I'm not a big racing fan. So that one stood out to me, and that's another game that I would like. I would come back to that one again still. Uh, I just love that. I love that art style, that early PlayStation chunky. Like It really works for a racing game like that. So it feels really at home. I thought the music was great. I loved it. Uh, next up, Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. We didn't make it super far in that game, but that's a game that I really remember fondly from being younger. And I was really happy to go back and play it. And I know I saw something else. 
about the new remake that's coming out in the news like last week or the week before. I don't really remember if it was good news or bad news. I just know that they had mentioned the same thing that we had mentioned when we saw the news the first time. The character models did not look very good. Yeah. So hopefully they're going to turn around and upscale some of that and make it look really good and make it something that I want to buy and revisit in the future. Well, it's Ubisoft, so you know it's going to be the Assassin's Creed modeling. I mean, I, I I would still go back and play you know the PS2 one all over again. So I love that game, and that was so much fun to come back to because sometimes we forget that we can actually go back and play fun games Yeah. on this show. Uh, next up, Symphony of the Night. We played this one also with the Next to Nothing guys. No, we played uh, Symphony right? of the Night. We did this with the Sega Saturn Shira podcast. Oh, this was, yeah, this was with Sega Saturn because they played it on Sega and we played it on Nintendo. Yep. And, or PlayStation. Mm-hmm. And this is actually a game that I went through and beat for the first time this year. So, uh, obviously, I love this game. This is like one of the greatest, you know, retro Castlevania or Metroidvania games of all time. This is like uh best in class for genre and everybody loves it. And I love it. And I was so happy to go through and play it all through this year. And, you know, if I recall with that game, the way we scored it was uh, even though the game is like ridiculously priced right now on multiple consoles, we looked at that and said, you know, based on how old it is and, you know, the type of game that you're getting and the experience that you're getting from that game that while it was a high price point, it was not inflated in terms of what you were getting. It was only inflated in terms of like general pricing. Like you could get it cheaper, but overall it was deflated from the aspect or just right based on the overall experience you were getting and based on the current market. Yeah. So that, that was a different take that we had with those guys. And uh, I thought it was a good game too. This was actually on my list initially and then i removed it um because uh, there was a few other games that i I felt that i enjoyed more yeah uh next up i'm gonna go with the nes remix pack we had a ton of fun sitting down and play this like i had never played any of these and i think that you've got like another one like an nes remix pack 2 or something or there's just more in that game that we didn't get around to and we talked about going back to it sometime in the future like this was just a fun like nostalgic look at old games but giving you specific challenges to go through and this was just like this was really cool this was like that nostalgia bomb that I, I just, I loved, I had such a good time playing it. I hadn't experienced a lot of that in a long time. Like I remember being in uh, daycare after school as a kid and everybody wanted to play excite bike on the NES. And it's like, this is my first time back at excite bike since then. Yeah. And this one, I believe we had scored as deflated uh, because the price point is actually pretty low to get in on this. Mm-hmm. And it's just a blast. I mean, it honestly is the NES remix pack uh, one and two are fantastic games. I want to say the one I have is one and two combined, but I think we probably only did like one. Uh, I don't remember, but I know I went back to this like after you left that day, uh, I was just sitting back on the Wii U just playing NES remix pack while my wife was watching like Critical Role or something. Yeah. And then uh, lastly on here, Pokemon Pinball. I had so much fun. We did like a week-long kind of challenge to see who could catch the most Pokemon and who could get the highest score. And like I so fondly remember this oversized cart with a rumble pack sticking out of my Game Boy as a kid. And going back and being able to play that, uh, I just had a blast. I love the, the graphics. I love the, you know... There's been so many different side Pokemon games that have come out over the years, and 
besides this and snap, I don't really remember getting, like, I never really did any of the dungeon games. I, I bought Pokemon conquest for DS, which was fun, but also still kind of in a similar genre with like RPG stuff. But I just, I, I'll always be a huge fan of this game and going back to that really triggered again, that kind of nostalgia drive love. I, I, it had to be on this list as soon as I remembered hitting it. And this one was pretty far down. We played this one. Mine's kind of a numer or chronological mm -hmm. through the year. I kind of started most recent kind of went back in time. So it'd been a while since we played that one. And I almost forgot about it. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, I love that game. And it made me almost really want to pick it up and play it again before coming over here again today. There, there was a lot of games that as I was looking through the list, I'm like, wow, we played that this year. Like it was, it was pretty insane. Like how many we had. Yeah. And I think one of my favorite episodes we did where we got to play a lot of stuff, uh, was when we did our cart racing, mm -hmm. uh, see which cart racers were yeah. best. And I was so close to putting down double dash. But I was like, man, it's, it's my favorite Mario Kart racing game. I can't just throw that on there. Like anybody that's listened before knows that's my favorite Mario Kart racer. So why, why put it on there? So I, like I said, I tried to put in games that I enjoyed playing with other people, enjoyed, you know, experiencing and I felt I had a pretty good list. And oh, by the way, NES Remix Pack was also on my list initially. And that mm -hmm. was one that I removed. So I'm happy we picked separate games. Oh, and Prince of Persia too. That was on my list as well. So this was a great year for gaming. I hope that next year we can actually get through like a lot of really cool stuff again. Yeah, I think we will. Um, we got to figure out what we're going to start with next year. Uh, but, you know, speaking of next year, we have our new games resolution for 2021. So if you are new to the podcast or you've been listening for a while, we Ryan failed at this and we've <laughs> been talking about it all year. But I'm one for two, John. One for two. Eh, well, I mean, technically you played three games last year. Okay. So you're... Uh, you're I'm a little ahead of the curve. Maybe I'm okay. Yeah, you're three for four. So. Let, let us know how bad I am in the comments. Yeah, go, go ahead and let Ryan know how terrible he is. Uh, I played Sukaden 2 my first year we did this. And uh, this year I played um, uh, Shenmue, first one on the PS4. So I, I played the remake, or not the remake, but the kind of remaster of that game. So it, it was a good year. Sukaden 2 I definitely enjoyed uh, when we did it year one. And that's when we really kicked this off. And then uh, year two playing uh, Shenmue, which was okay. And for year three, I'm going to take it back to the N64. And I'm going to play some Conker's Bad Fur Day. It's a game that I have always wanted to complete, really. I played a little bit of it when I was a kid. So I had a family member that had an N64. And we would see them once every year or so. We'd go up uh, north from where we lived. And we'd go hang out in that area for about two weeks. And whenever we'd go to that uh, family member's house, we would play it for a little bit. And so this was one that my brother and I would play. We absolutely loved it when we would play it. Uh, we had a lot of fun with the really the vulgarity of it and um, the different concepts that were tied to Conker's Bad Fur Day. It's pretty much, you know, Banjo-Kazooie with, you know, poop jokes and stuff. And a lot of interesting history, like the development of Conker's bad fur day like went through like a whole ringer before it eventually came out to what it was and it amounted to something that like nobody really expected that when it came out and everyone was like really blown away now are you going to play the original n64 are you going to play the reloaded one for xbox i am playing it on the n64 so if there's a battery in that cart it's probably gonna get replaced in the next couple weeks here uh so we'll see that that's my game that was actually uh i was talking to justin 
who was, you know, as you know, on an episode with us a few weeks back, back in, I guess, early November, so about a month ago. And I was just talking to him like, dude, I got to figure out what the heck I want to play. And I started listing off games. He's like, well, hold on. Repeat that one again. I'm like, Conkers? He's like, yeah, that one. That one. Like, you'll have plenty of jokes to tell while you're playing it. Yeah. So that's uh, that's my game. So I cannot wait. That's going to be fun. So for me, uh, as you all know, I will be shaming myself by playing Blue's Clues for like an hour or so. Uh, to make wait. up for the fact that I made uh, 12, or no, I made about 17 hours of progress into an 80-hour RPG this year uh, with Persona 4 Golden for Vita. So This rate's going to take you four years. Yeah, so this year I will be re-taking the challenge of the Persona 4 Golden. I kind of debated starting all the way over, but I'm pretty sure that I've got a save file from just the beginning of the month of in-game calendar time that I will be taking through. So I will continue my playthrough despite all of the stuff that I've forgotten about the game. And I don't know, maybe I will start over. Who knows? We'll see. I'll, I'll, I'll get through it. I will get through Persona 4 Golden. I promise. I've got a whole nother year. Like, if it takes me two years to get through this game, so be it. But I will best this game. Yeah, he's going to take it back to uh, 2019 when he finished uh, ZOE 1 and 2, and then uh, ZOE on the GBA. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then my new new games resolution for this year, I've talked about it before. I've never really, like, been the biggest platformer, and I've always wanted to get, like, back into more like i've had a lot of fun when we've gone back and revisited some stuff i got the mario collection the 3d collection on switch this year but what i really want to do is play odyssey like i've heard so much good stuff about odyssey since it's come out uh you know it's the other big mega title for the switch that i've never played besides breath of the wild i know john's got it so i don't have to pay for it (laughs) And I'm going to uh, I'm going to play that too because I think that those will be I can't do two giant RPGs. I think I've learned my lesson. Giant RPGs, even though I've got a whole year to do it, I'm going to see something shiny and different that I'm going to want to play. Especially considering the fact that I'm hoping to try to score a Series S by summer next year. So if I can if I can beat out Persona before the summer. It shouldn't take me a whole lot of time and effort to get through Odyssey once that's done. Yeah, Odyssey didn't take me too long. I 100%ed it, so that was... I will not be doing that. Well, if you want, I do have the Collector's Edition guidebook for it, the Prima Guide. Oh, I'm just going to have fun. I'm going to go have some classic Mario fun. Well, I mean... I'm not going to worry about doing all the things. We we use the guidebook for... Like, we went through it initially, and we're like, all right, cool. Like, But now we want to get all the stars and... Or suns, or... No, it's stars. Power moons. Power moons. Yeah, Jesus Christ, man. So stars, moons... Come on, John. I haven't even played this game. Man, I haven't played in so long. But yeah, so Power Moons, and uh, yeah, we use a guidebook to get like the ones that we didn't know about or were just kind of obscure, and yeah, we 100% it from that. But you've got to do the jump rope, the jump rope challenge. See how many you can get. Oh God, it's uh, it's a pain in the ass, but you'll get addicted <laughs> to it. So yeah, uh, I guess I'll loan you Odyssey this year after you beat Persona 4. After Persona, it is not going to be in your possession until after I see that save data for Persona 4 is complete. I will get it. I promise everybody, I won't let you down again. I mean, I can't I can't imagine how many times I've promised people that I would 
play more of this game. Not even beat it. Just play more of it, and it hasn't happened. No. Ryan disappoints me every day sometimes. This, it's this what I do will. best. Yeah. All thanks right, well, for listening. Thanks for listening. Yeah. Speaking of disappointing, uh, KFC is releasing a uh, cooking console, apparently. So uh, this article is tied, KFC is really cooking up a video game console that plays PC games and keeps your chicken toasty. This is Riam Hunt at USA Today. We've never done a USA article, uh, but I recently retweeted the promotional video for this particular console. And really what it is is KFC has created a souped-up PC, which has components... That are, I mean, honestly, the first thing was like an i9 Extreme uh, Intel product, and it's like $3,100 alone for that. So this is going to be really expensive. I don't foresee this as like a mainstream console, obviously. I really see this coming out as KFC's releasing a gimmicky product that keeps your chicken toasty with the extremely high temperatures of what looked like a 3090 uh, GPU sitting in there. Uh, so an NVIDIA 3090 sitting in there is going to cook up a lot of heat. Along with that, you know, extreme CPU cooking up some heat. And I guess the fans are going to point up and release all that heat into a little vent that's going to keep your chicken nice yeah, and toasty. It comes, it's a console in the shape of a KFC bucket complete with a drawer to keep your chicken warm in. And I can't believe this. Like, how has this not happened sooner? Like, when are they going to come out with a uh, gamer fuel cooled PC? Yeah, with like a cool like bendy straw that goes through your headphones so that you can drink it while it's cooling your console down and just have like have like a feed for like a whole big like uh you know two liter you kind of like those giant water bottle dispensers yeah, where you exactly. have to flip it over but you just stick the two liter bottle amount yeah, and do in there goes upside down it cools your console and cycles it through and then when you're ready to drink it out you can oh my god dude that's just diabetes written all over it uh, so, I want to see Taco Bell challenge KFC for console wars. Well, why would they? It's the same company. Yum Brands. Yeah, I know, but normal people don't know that. Okay, that's true. Uh, what was the other one I saw? So I saw a video, uh, I think it was this morning, of a guy turned a toaster, a functional toaster, into a computer. And it plays Doom. <laughs> well, yeah. Definitely. Doom on a toaster! I think he was playing uh, Counter-Strike or something. I don't remember. But uh, yeah, so I was watching that. And it was hilarious. Do you have it, to push the button down to turn it on? What happens after it toasts? Does it like power off the console? <laughs> I didn't get too deep into it. I just saw it flash up of like guy playing on a toaster. I was like, all right, like that's enough Facebook for this morning. Let me move forward of my day. Uh, but yeah, so I saw the promotional video. We did retweet it. Uh, check that out. Uh, you know, what I was going into was I can see this being a gimmicky type thing where they release like five of these and it's a major promotional contest. It's obviously going to get a lot of people interested in it just because of what the hell it is like i'll go buy a famous bowl like if right so if you win this thing you just strip it and get all the components you want and you don't have to necessarily keep it cooking chicken you can put it into something else oh yeah but i mean it'll be worth a fortune if you leave it the way it is i guess i mean depends on if they have like you know security bits and stuff and just empty the grease trap when you're done oh my god so regardless i see this being like a major promotional contest with i'm gonna call it here you win this and you get a year of KFC because why in the world would you give away a console that keeps your chicken toasty but not give somebody chicken to keep it toasty? So you're going to give them some chicken to put in there. So I see that being a year-long thing of KFC chicken and, uh, or you know, year-long supply and, of course, a console. So we'll see. It's the anti-vegetarian console. It really is. It really is. But I wonder if you could keep vegetables toasty. Well, maybe it just breaks. 
Like it has a sensor. <laughs> right. <It> senses. <laughs> no protein detected. Yeah. No protein detected. Healthy foods present. <laughs> collapses it on itself. Did you have any comments on this one? Uh, move out of the way, Mario. Colonel's here. I like that. Did you know that like KFC is like the most popular Christmas food in Japan? It doesn't surprise me. Like I mean, they sell out like every year. Like you have to like pre-order your your Christmas dinner KFC. It's a crazy thing. Really? Yeah. Aren't the pieces of chicken there smaller? I uh, we tried KFC when we went to Japan. And it was basically the same. Really? But yeah. Was, I mean, their McDonald's even... was better than our McDonald's, but well, the yeah. KFC was about the same. New Zealand's McDonald's and they don't take any substitutions. Oh, really? No. You go in. Actually, that's one of the really handy things about going to Japan. You don't have to speak the language to order off the menu because, like, when you go up to the register, they have the menu on the counter. And you just point at what you want. Yeah, that Because everybody knows what the pictures are. See, when New Zealand is a little different because, well, they speak English. Yes. Outside of, you know, um, Maori, but they don't really, you know, speak that uh, in locations like that like a fast yeah. food place um but yeah I, I agree man like mcdonald's over in uh new zealand really just i think any other part of the world is going to be better than the united states we have lower expectations i guess all right our uh, next thing here is going to be uh investor sues video game studio over buggy cyberpunk 2077 this is david ingram at nbc news we have got some like i know prime, we're hitting all the prime articles going yeah on here man the big boys i'll let you kick this one off uh, so this makes a lot of sense. I mean, anybody that's been following cyberpunk and the whole launch debacle of how bad this was and all the refunds that they're giving out and all that stuff. And speaking of refunds, I mean, I guess the investors, you know, put their money up, gave it to CG project red said, Hey, here's some money, develop this game, make all of us rich people even richer. And they didn't get as rich as they wanted to. But, I mean, they... Uh, well, they had, lost money, in a sense. Cause no, they had millions and millions of pre-orders. Like, they made their money back and then some. They just didn't make all the money. And if there's anything we know about video game publishers and, obviously, people that are investors, they want to make all the money, not just some of the money. So the people who I feel bad in this situation are not these investors that are suing them. It's the people who got to open... By the way, I think I already mentioned this. It's the 26th of December. So everybody that opened their copy of Cyberpunk 2077 yesterday and has a standard PS4 or Xbox One, it's already five days after the return policy that uh, Best Buy at least issued. They were taking back physical copies up until the 21st. So if well, your opened, parents don't opened. keep up with the news and you got this game as a gift and it's already too late to bring it back, you know, congratulations, you get to wait till March until this game is in hopefully a playable state. Well, uh, so a few things on that. Uh, if it's still sealed, that you should be able to return it back, you know, by the 31st of January, I think is what they typically do for holiday shopping. But as far as investors are concerned, um, I think one of the key things here was, you know, from an investment standpoint... It's not necessarily directly investing in CD Projekt Red for this particular game. It's more on the stock and saying, you know, say I put in like for a thousand shares of CD Projekt Red, which I think is like, what are they trading at? Like a hundred something bucks a share, whatever it may have been. 
so they well it says in the article they're down 38 percent from early december yeah so basically the way it would work out is you would have invested in this company who said we have this awesome game it's being released and by their standards cd project red was like hey this game's complete it's playable it's good to go and they set up these like high expectations for this title and like the money it was going to bring in. So investors are flocking and like, I'm going to buy yeah, now. But you can't sue somebody for gambling and losing your bet. You can to an extent. So that's why the lawsuit's happening because they set up expectations to the market to say, we've got this game. It's playable. Fuck it's good your to market. Go. Dude, come on. So they set up these expectations, high end expectations that this is all good to go. It's playable. We're going to release this in the market. We're expecting X amount of sales forecasted. It hits market, it's buggy, it's unplayable for some people, doesn't even hit what they were anticipating in terms of overall sales. So they hit like 8 million sales, I think, and they were projecting more than that. I think 8 sales. million was like just the pre-orders. Oh, okay. So it was, no, it was 13 million, I think, is what they sold. And that was below expectations, what they forecasted. So of course, investors are kind of pissed because like you hyped up this game, we put forth money into this company expecting a major return from our investment and now it's a major loss of 38% because you guys underdelivered on your promises. I mean that's why it's in court and who knows what'll happen there may be a settlement. Uh you know, it's worth keeping up with if you're into this type of thing. But I don't know. It's it's hard to say that they would win any sort of lawsuit primarily because if CD Project Red is working on bugs and getting things fixed, you'd have to find that they knowingly put out a product that was faulty and had issues, which, you know, I don't, I don't know. It's, it's a lot of legal stuff. Well, and there's still also the fact that this is the last gen version. Like they haven't even officially come out with like their like next gen patch of optimization stuff. So it's like this game's going to get basically a whole second life of resale mid next year anyway. So like the money that they've made is only some of the money that they're going to be making. And, you know, I mean, I'm sure that investors have much better memories than, you know, the average game consumer, but the average game consumer is very willing to look past, you know, if history is any indication how a game releases and how it turns out. I mean, how many people are out there being like, well, Fallout is good now. No Man's Sky is good now. I mean... Yeah, but then you We're, have other games like uh, what's Anthem, which just got destroyed. Yeah, you know, so it depends on the company too and how they continue to you know push their product and, and yeah, make that's it a true. Product. If they can make it a good product later, we will be way more willing to forgive them than the investors are. And I actually got a, a chance to check out just the character creation for Cyberpunk yesterday, um, and I mean it looked fine from what I saw from j literally just the character creator, like it, it didn't blow my mind. It wasn't like looking at, I mean, I remember looking at every final fantasy like game and being like, Oh my God, you can see every individual hair blowing in the wind. Well, if it didn't blow Ryan's mind and I think we know what he decided on for his genitals in the game. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I didn't even see that as the option. I might've left the room at that point. Oh really? Yeah. yeah you, you didn't want to see it. Well, uh, did you get, you only saw the character component? Yeah, I only saw the character creation. I mean, the, the graphics look super good at that point. Um, I would have liked to see more of it, but 
again, Christmas, we were kind of moving on to dinner and stuff. So I didn't get to see like any real gameplay. I didn't get to see night city. Like I know there's, the there's so much here. I'm, yeah, those all over the city. Yeah. And... I'm speaking from no point of view whatsoever, but I am saying that, you know, despite all of the negative stuff that's going on, people are still going to pick up and play this game. So, you know, those investors, they'll, they might get some money, just not all the money. Well, I know people. Play, so my brother's playing on PC. He's enjoying it. Absolutely loves it. He's actually playing a, on a gaming laptop. So he's probably not even getting the full experience on what he's got. And then Justin's playing on PS4 and he absolutely loves it despite all the bugs that he's seen. Really? Yeah. He loves it on the PS4. Talks nothing but praise. Has he got a pro? It. No. He's got a regular. That's wow. what's crazy. Yeah. That's why I'm actually shocked that he's like, oh yeah, it's great. Um... But moving on from Cyberpunk, we also talked about that last week, so catch that episode last week. Uh, video games are a bigger industry than movies, and North America sports combined thanks to the pandemic. Uh, no surprise here, uh, but this one is uh, Wallace Witowski at Market Watch. So really professional <laughs> websites that we pulled from this week are resources. I don't know. You want to talk brass tacks? This is the brass tacks article. This has so many big numbers in it that it's hard to really uh let me pull it up (laughs) i gotta pull up the article first i know i'm trying to open it too but it's got all the numbers in there and this is impressive i mean we know that it was just last year uh red dead became or no not red dead um gta 5 became the most selling piece of media like in the history of the world and for this to just the video games industry to start eclipsing all of these other major industries i mean to see how far we've come in a decade like this was not video games in 2010 but where are we going to go next like how long into the future is it before the video game market eclipses like the car market yeah so here's kind of i don't know if it'll ever eclipse the car market just because of how much a car costs i'm speculating yeah i know i know Uh, Well, and there's a few things that aren't estimated here that could be estimated. So basically, they're projecting that, you know, 2020 will have secured around $180 billion uh, in overall revenue. And that's 20%, uh, essentially. So that's what they expect those game sales to rise to based on the current trends. So right now, the estimate for 2020 is they're seeing 19.6% growth on the console markets, 11% on PC, and then 24% on uh, mobile gaming, which doesn't include ad revenue. And so that would be around $179.7 billion for 2020 in the fuel from you know COVID-19. Now, if you look at 2018 and 2019, 2018 was $139 billion, at, or really close to $140 billion. 2019 saw 150 billion and they actually had a decline in consoles by 2.6%. So the fact that we're seeing really like a 20 really like a 22% increase year over year on console uh you know not sales necessarily but revenue coming from consoles which I would imagine includes like video game sales and any advertisements. Well, and I such think on it there. includes like the launch of the new consoles. Well, like that the next too, gen yeah. is going to really, because, you know, you get a little stagnant, you know, less people were buying, you know, PS4, Xbox One. The Switch has been probably a skyrocket rise since it came out. 
Yeah, and they're talking about like investors are starting to flock over to game companies and they're anticipating releases, hence that CD Projekt Red uh, situation. But then the other thing, too, is that China recently lifted its ban on consoles so or console gaming. So that right there is going to really propel the industry in general from a global aspect, uh, which we hadn't seen before, So or at least recently. So that'll be pretty interesting to see how that moves forward. And... Um, you know, we're seeing a lot more of it in the news like this. I mean, we had Epic with the whole Fortnite thing, you know, that whole debacle that happened um, with Apple and Google Play Store and all of that. So it's good to see video games in the news, not for do these cause violence. Yeah, like, exactly. These are all major news sources that we're hitting this week. Well, and the only concern I would have is that when you start moving into this with investors and such, it's like how much are these game companies... You know, I guess in a sense it's good, right? Because if investors are investing in a company and they have high expectations, they could completely topple a public company by just divesting in what's going on. So if you under-deliver on your product and gamers are pissed, well, you're more likely as a game company that's public, you're more likely to produce a better quality product because you have investors and you do have consumers that are going to either be happy or pissed off about it. Well, so the expectation has to be a, a lot higher at this point. And it probably product. builds a lot more room for low end developers to be able to get funding out sort of outside of traditional video game publishing companies yeah. that might allow them to be able to really speak to what they want to do without that, you know, oppressive oversight that the industry's used to applying yeah i mean if you're an angel investor you know and you're looking for a certain cut of a video game and you want to get involved in that industry like yeah who wouldn't have wanted a piece of among us this year yeah you right? know like if i'm an investor and i got however many millions of dollars and somebody comes up and says hey i want to put you know among us which well i guess i was an older game to begin with but you know that or um especially with the low barrier for entry like they're not asking for millions and millions and millions of dollars no and even but like, they can generate that kind of return and even small small groups like uh the group that develop hades and such like those are all companies that are now experiencing a lot of growth from their products and fall they, guys yeah if they had the backing from a, a good investor that investor is going to get some sort of cut and i mean i can see that you know, and that pushes them too. That pushes the company to put out a premier product that's going to get money. And I mean, I, I could see this being a, a huge benefit to uh, gaming as a whole. So yeah, it's a it's a good it's a long read. So definitely check that article out. Um, you know, if you're listening, and they're also saying that they would expect some growth in 2021. I think uh, in what I was reading here, they're expecting double digit growth again in 2021 for video games, which would be expected because of the the release of a next gen console. And of course, we'll probably see it drop off a little bit the next year, and then on the release of like a pro console or something along those lines, we'll likely see that go back up. And mobile mobile's always been like a growing industry for gaming. But I mean, in this case, it's the largest growth for yeah, all of it. Yeah. And it's that's been... not including ad revenue. If you pop ad revenue into that, Holy crap. You're looking at a lot more growth revenue wise than 24%. But mobile games are really starting to expand out in like, new big ways i mean not to say that there haven't been some major ports of stuff not to say that there haven't been major successes i mean like you know flappy bird and uh candy crush and all that stuff i mean those were big mobile games but i mean genshin impact has had like a huge huge following this year and it's like a major title that's gained a lot of recognition i mean it was up at the game awards and stuff this year 
So with more companies, especially starting to reach out into uh, the cloud gaming space like Stadia and Luna and stuff like that, there's going to be a lot more recognition for mobile as a platform to play really well-developed, large-scale games in the way that you know the traditional gaming space hasn't really given them that credit for. It's always been like, oh yeah, I mean, I guess they re-released that for mobile and you could play it there, but would you really want to? But it's not a strange thing to hook a controller up to your phone and play it on a train or a plane or an automobile or whatever. Or a toaster or a chicken yeah. bucket. Yeah. So it's it's a crazy world. It's a crazy world in 2021 and it's going to be a crazy world in 20... Or a crazy world in 2020 and it's going to be a crazier world in 2021 for games. And we'll see, you know, how big this thing can get because it's just not stopping. Well, and the article also calls that a China only at this point makes up 1% of the gaming market, or at least in that particular gaming for console gaming. So will they make their own console? Will we see like a Chinese manufacturer come into the space? Because really it's Microsoft. Well, we already and got that. Sony. With, we already got that with Soldier Boy. That was, oh, <laughs> that yeah, was his Chinese yeah. console. Uh, <laughs> Microsoft, Sony, and uh, Nintendo are the only three big boys out there. There's plenty of room for a Chinese company to come into play. Oh, for sure. And, the and back... steal all our information. <laughs> right? Like, what is this that I see going on the screen while I'm playing this uh, copy of Call of Duty? <laughs> all right. So um, let's jump into our Inflation Deflation Week. This one was made of Scare. Uh, S-K-E-R. Skr. And uh, this was developed by Wales Interactive, published by Wales Interactive, and designed by the Wales Interactive team. Uh, it was released in July of 2020. It's a survival horror, and it received receptions around 6 out of 10. Uh, this game in general, uh, it's based on, like, folklore of the Wales area. Uh, you know, I didn't know too much about it before jumping in. All I know is I saw some pretty good uh, feedback that, you know, gamers had, um, provided through uh, different forums. And I figured, let me add it to my Amazon wishlist. And I happened to get it this year. So we played that for a little bit today. And, you know, Ryan, what were your overall impressions from when we were playing? Um, so this is another one of your, uh, kind of walking sim, but survival horror games where you're going around exploring a spooky area. Um, it is interesting in the comparisons that they make to other games. Like it has a Resident Evil type save system, not necessarily the same as where you have typewriter ribbons and only a limited amount of saves, but the idea that there are no auto saves, you have to find a room and manually save in order to save your progress. Um, it's got similarities with other survival horror games. You're not really fighting enemies as much as you're trying to be quiet. Outlast. Navigate comes around to mind. them. Yeah. So uh, this is another example of, you know, a really good looking double A game pulling from what makes other similar genre games popular and incorporating those ideas. And in this case, incorporating those with some like real world folklore and elements and drawing from you know, obviously it's a, you know, these are folklores from uh, the Wales area. This is made by a team called Wales Interactive. And I would assume they're based out of Wales. Yeah. <laughs> based so on that. It, it's cool to see developers be able to use, you know, what they know and where they are and draw that kind of inspiration and come out with something like this. This is something that I would love to see 
a much bigger space created for. And I have a feeling that going into the next generation, we're going to see a lot more of these double a developments really starting to reach up and come into their own because, uh, you know, everything's going to look so good on the next gen and the tools are so advanced now that, you know, it should be something that studios are capable of not having to try to reach for that big $70 triple a, you know, price point that we've seen letting us down time and time and time again. Like you don't have to, there's a real negative in the industry when you try to say that, you know, anything that isn't a nine out of 10 is garbage and you shouldn't play it. Like there's room to develop a good seven to eight, you know, five to eight out of 10 range for decent games for people to play on more of a budget and have those stories that you don't necessarily you're not trying to wash out and market to everybody in the world yeah and like this was uh one of those games that uh it released at 30 bucks you know and it came out in july at 30 it still sits around 30 i think new uh unless you catch it on a sale but you know you bring up uh the whole thing of like availability and price and you know not necessarily pushing the limits on having like a ridiculously good game. This Blair, looks like a good game yeah. too. The graphics are yeah. nice. It does like, and it played pretty well. Like my only qualm I had was, uh, when the brightness, even at like normal, you know, uh, like mid tier, like 110% or whatever it came out to, was still way too dark. We were getting some light. I'm sure yeah. if we were playing this, like at 10 PM at night, it would have looked a lot better. Yeah. But at the same time, you got to consider if you're making a horror game, yeah, you know, people are likely going to play at night, but it's got to be set up in a sense that you can play yeah. it during the daytime too. So we put the brightness all the way up and it was still kind of dark. And then control wise, you know, having to toggle that cursor, like right on something to be able to select it was a bit of a pain as well. Um, but in a sense, that's good too, because I've played a lot of games where there's two items right next to each other and you're screwed because you'll accidentally pick up one item over the other because they're too close. So I don't think there was any of that from what we played, but the cursor having to be exact was one of my other like main issues. But in terms of pricing and such, you know, you had mentioned uh, the games not needing to be like above and beyond. Blair Witch is one of those games that I really enjoyed. I think it was like a four or five out of ten. And it was it was still good. Like I enjoyed it. It's a thirty dollar game and a really quick game to beat. I think this will be very similar. Like it's not blowing you out of the the water with a six out of ten, but it's got a good story what? to it from what we've heard. Good lore and the videos I've seen of gameplay and such in the past and some of the reviews I've heard from other gamers. It it makes it worthwhile to put down 30 bucks and support a small company in the process. Yeah. And the rating systems, like I was saying, are all blown out of proportion. I mean, if anybody thinks that cyberpunk is like a nine or 10 out of 10, you know, you're probably fooling yourself a little bit. Yeah. We, so many, we like, know that there's a yeah. lot of room in our market for bias and stuff like that. So trusting this game to be, I mean, a solid six out of 10, seven out of 10 doesn't make it a horrible, horrible thing that you should never play. Yeah. It, it just makes, makes it, it something. It just, yeah, it just makes it something that, you know, if you can't buy five new games a month, you know, maybe this isn't the game for you. Maybe, maybe this isn't the one game that you can afford per season to pick up mm -hmm. or maybe just don't buy it new. Maybe just wait till it's used. 
I got and we'll it get to those prices. Yeah, I got it new. Well, we can get into it now. All right. So tell me, John. Tell me those prices. So uh, right now, if you want to get a used copy of this, it's a complete in box, twenty five fifty. So Ryan had me open my brand new copy, which is sitting at about thirty dollars. Right Devalued. Now. Devalued immediately when I picked it up. Uh, it peaked at twenty seven sixty six for a complete in box copy. I would imagine that was you know right when it came out. It's trending down, of course, in terms of price point. So you can always wait on this. A loose copy. I don't know why there's loose copies floating around already, but there are. Uh, Some people 35. just like to sell the case and the game separate because they figure they could hold on to one and make more money down the road. Or they just like to watch the world burn. Uh, so $23.35 on a loose copy of that. Of course, it peaked at $24.34. Why it was loose then, who knows? But screw you, loosest people that like to turn things in without a case. Uh, unless your dog ate it. Different story. And then that's also trending down. So I think from what we played, uh, I'd say it's priced just right. I mean, look, 30 bucks for a quality game, small company or small group that's making or smallish group uh, making this game. And, you know, I I like to support smaller developers uh, in this instance. You know, well, 30 it, bucks is not a big ask. I mean, you're paying half of what last generation, I guess, would be for a, a premiere title. And there's games out there on last gen that are, you know, six, seven hours of gameplay and they're popping out at 60 bucks. And then you got games like this, four and a half, six hours of gameplay for 30. And you're going to get a good experience from everything I've seen. And, and from given the played. time frame, I mean, this game just came out a couple months ago. Well, not like uh, July. That's like, well, yeah, five months ago. Five months ago. About half a year. Yeah. So half a year ago. So it's like, this game will go down in price. Potentially. It might go up because it's well, towards the end of the gen. So yeah, that's something you always got to look at as well. It could turn around and go up again eventually. But for now, it's going down a little bit. So it's like you are you may get a way better price on this down the road. You may not. But considering where it's right, you know, right now, practically brand new, only a few months old, like you can't expect to pay less than this like if this game was 10 bucks now it would be because it's a terrible game but yeah. considering it's only gone down a few dollars you know yeah, it's it must be holding its value for some reason well and horror games generally don't go down a ton in price if they're good so the fact that this is still sitting new at 30 bucks and hasn't had a tremendous amount of sales and complete in box is still sitting at $25 six months in leads me to believe that this is probably a game that's going to stay at this price point for a while. If it does dip, it won't be very far. I can I can see this being a late life cycle game, maybe not printed as much because it was just kind of under the radar and going up in value over the next several years. So I honestly would say like, it's worth it, you know? It's not necessarily deflated or inflated. It's just right at the price point it's at. Pick it up because it'll likely be inflated uh, pretty soon. Um, I would say in the next year or so, we're going to we're gonna see this game go up, I think. Yeah, I, I'm going to call this just right for now because you can't... I mean, for a game that's already half the price of other new games, mm -hmm. you can't expect to pay less than this right now for what it's going for. And... It looks good. I mean, obviously, buying on the secondhand market, you know, you're not really directly supporting the developer anymore. Like, if you wanted to pick this one up new, I wouldn't say that that was a, a bad deal either. 
just to give them the credit and the money that they've kind of got coming to them for this. But yeah, for twenty five fifty, you're not gonna regret yeah. paying that. Yeah, I, I would I would buy it new, hundred percent. Support the developer in this case. Um, you know, there's no sense waiting. It could go up. It it's could always go down. weird covering these games that are not like you know they don't have the history of up and down and there's not a lot of trending to look at through the past history of it so it's always interesting to check out what you know what our opinions are on this and this is definitely one of those cases where i would say you know spend that extra 450 to support the developer to see what they can come out with next time because i'm sure that you know with what they've done this time ironing out the bugs figuring out how to you know develop better and move on to something else i want to see it yeah, I, I'm excited to get through this game. Uh, my wife and I will likely play this one, and um, we'll whenever we get to that, we'll let everybody know our progress. I know for sure the next game that we're playing though is going to be um, uh, the new Tomb Raider game. Once we finish up, uh, you know, Dragon's Crown, and then I was going to look up Wales Interactive. I'm kind of curious what you know the size of their uh, group is, and um, you know, because we're saying they're smallish developers. So I'm just kind of curious. Uh, they have over 20 video games on 10 different platforms. They're based out of uh, the United Kingdom, of course, and founded in Wales. And uh, they got about 10 employees is what it says here. So, yeah. That's a pretty healthy library so far. 10, 10 games? Yeah. Nine years, it says that they've uh, been in existence. So, yeah, definitely support the developer. All right. Well, dude, I'm not sure what we're going to play next week. We'll, uh, we'll look at the wall. We'll figure it out next year. Yeah. We'll call it. Yeah. <laughs> figure it out next year for sure. Uh, yeah, because it'll be the second on that day when we record. So we'll figure it out next year. We'll see where we're at and we'll go from there. So enjoy this week's episode. Goodbye, 2020. Goodbye, 2020. Thankfully, hopefully 2021 has better things for us. And, uh, yeah, see you in 2021. Yeah. And let us know about your new games resolutions and don't welch on them like I did. Exactly. All right. Well, this has been episode 112 of the Game of Flavors podcast. My name's John. I'm Ryan, and thanks for listening.